I'm Andrew Smith. This is Today in Church History, a place where we're reminded that history is truly his story. History is the story of God and the demonstration of his glory in the theater of world events. Today is Wednesday, June 26, 2019. But on this day in history, June 26, 1691, one of the greatest Puritans died. He was a man by the name of John Flavel. Going back almost 30 years before Flavel's death, The year was 1665, and England was overcome with two plagues, one physical and one spiritual. As a physical pestilence spread throughout the country, killing people left and right, another more pernicious disease came from the courts of the king himself. The Act of Uniformity, passed by the English Parliament in 1659, required conformity to the Book of Common Prayer by ministers in 1662. Over 2,000 ministers were ejected from Church of England pulpits as a result. These Puritans were effectively silenced because they could not in good conscience submit themselves to any authority but God's word. Stripped of their recognized clergy status, these ministers were kicked out of their churches. Now, since they weren't allowed to preach within the buildings of the churches, many preached in the cemetery yards outside of the church or secluded woods. Richard Flavel was one of these nonconformers and was gathering with a few Christians for private prayer in 1665 when soldiers broke in with swords drawn, arresting the worshippers. Confined in the Newgate prison where the physical pestilence pervaded, these Christians were effectively doomed to their deaths. As for his part, Richard was released along with his wife, but it was too late. The plague had already infected them, and they both died shortly thereafter. Providence is like a curious piece of tapestry made of a thousand shreds, which single appear useless, but put together they represent a beautiful history to the eye. Providence is wiser than you, and you may be confident it has suited all things better to your eternal good than you could do had you been left to your own option. Such was said by Richard Flavel's son, John. Born in 1628, John came from courageous stock. He would see a lot of heartache in his life, not just the death of his parents from the plague, but he would marry four times, with only his last wife outliving him. His first wife, Joan Randall, died giving birth to their first baby. The baby died as well. The death of children was very common in his day. It was the lot many were given, but didn't choose. Flavel, however, chose to bear another cross. He was a man of the sword, the sword of the Lord, a battle-hardened veteran warrior for his Savior. During his twilight years, speaking of his fellow brother ministers and himself, he noted, and I quote, We have long borne the burden and heat of the day. We are veteran soldiers, almost worn out, end quote. We live in an age where many ministers demand a comfortable living. But Flavel was like most English nonconforming preachers of his day. To these battle-worn soldiers of the cross, conviction was more important than comfort. Standing for truth was more critical than widespread acceptance and praise. Sometimes these men stood alone, or only with a small band within the confines of private homes as they worshipped according to Scripture alone. Such was true of both Richard as well as his son John. Puritanism flowed from at least three primary desires. The first desire was the need for biblical preaching based upon Reformed doctrine. The second desire was the work of the Holy Spirit in producing personal piety. And the third desire was simplifying the government and liturgy of the church so that pure biblical worship, according to God's word, could actually take place unhindered. 
Doctrinally speaking, Puritanism was unapologetically Calvinistic. Evangelistically, it was bold, yet not brash. Experientially, it was devotional. Ecclesiastically, it was overtly theocentric and intensely worshipful. Politically, it saw Scripture binding the believer's conscience over the king or parliament. And culturally, its impact has been felt generationally on into our own day. Such was the heritage of John Flavel. After training at Oxford for his education, John Flavel received a request to preside as a minister in the parish of Dipford on April 22, 1650. He was only 22 years old. The presiding minister was ill, and the plan was for Flavel to join him with the intent of replacing him eventually. On October 17, 1650, he was ordained as an associate pastor for the aging minister by a group of ministers in Salisbury after being examined and preaching a trial sermon. As planned, he succeeded the old minister upon his death and remained at Dipford for six years. In 1656, Flavel accepted a call to minister in Dartmouth. Dartmouth was a busy seaport and the congregation larger, but the salary meager in comparison to the one in Dipford. But in 1662, Flavel was ejected from that pulpit due to his nonconformity. His people were saddened by this and loved him dearly. He loved them in return and began meeting secretly with them in private conventicles. Periodically, at the request of the people, he would agree to preach to them in the woods. On one occasion, he disguised himself as a woman and rode on horseback to the undisclosed location to preach and administer the sacrament of baptism. Another time, he managed to outrun the authorities on horseback before plunging his horse into the sea, but he was able to swim to safety without being caught. But the Oxford Act, or otherwise known as the Five Mile Act of 1665, forbade Flavel from being within five miles of Dartmouth. His faithful congregants accompanied him out of town with tears and prayers. But Flavel didn't go far, choosing to live just outside the five-mile boundary. He regularly met detachments of his beloved congregation from Dartmouth in the woods every Lord's Day and preached to them. At other times, he sneaked into Dartmouth itself, and still other times meeting with them in nearby villages and private homes. He was so resilient in preaching the word and determined to finish his sermons that one time soldiers broke up a meeting in the woods, even arresting some of the worshipers. But those not arrested joined Flavel in another section of the woods so he could finish the sermon he had started. If it wasn't a stump for a pulpit, it was a rock. Flavel frequented Saltstone Rock, an island submerged during high tide. It was said that the congregation there would, and I quote, linger in devout assembly till the rising tide drove them to their boats, end quote. King Charles II issued the Declaration of Indulgence in 1772, allowing nonconformist ministers back into the pulpits. This only lasted a year before it was canceled, but during this time, Flavel went back to Dartmouth and was officially licensed as a Congregationalist minister. Once the indulgence was canceled, however, Flavel was back on the run preaching seaside, in the woods, and in private homes. Eventually, he returned to Dartmouth, where church was held every Sunday in his own private home. Crowds gathered on other evenings of the week as well to hear him preach from his house. Finally, another indulgence was issued by James II in 1687, allowing the legal public ministry of nonconformist ministers. Flavel's last four years of preaching finally took place in a meeting house that was built specifically by the people of his congregation. On June 26, 1691, while visiting another city to preach, Flavel died of a stroke. He was 63 years old. He was buried in the Dartmouth churchyard.
Flavel's ministry was filled with much adventure, heartache, courage, and faithfulness. His loyalty to the people of Dartmouth is beyond commendable. His love for the word of God over the acclaim or riches of the world is beyond question. It also says much about the people who sat under his ministry. This little flock risked persecution, arrest, and death. Now, I want to read what one of the members of his church at Dartmouth said about Flavel. This is a glorious description of a faithful minister of the word. It describes what every minister should aspire to be. At the same time, it also describes the type of minister every Christian should desire. This particular parishioner said this, and I quote, I could say much, though not enough, of the excellency of Flavel's preaching, of his seasonable, suitable, and spiritual matter of his plain expositions of Scripture, his talking method, his genuine and natural deductions, his convincing arguments, his clear and powerful demonstrations, his heart-searching applications, and his comfortable supports to those that were afflicted in conscience. In short, that person must have a very soft head or a very hard heart, or both, that could sit under his ministry unaffected." Now, there are several things that I just want to point out by way of observation concerning this person's testimony regarding John Flavel. Again, this is a person that sat under the ministry of John Flavel. The first thing that they note about Flavel was the excellency of his preaching. That is a mark that is true about most of the Puritans. That is what the Puritans were known for, was their excellency of preaching. Preaching was the most important thing to the Puritans. That was their craft. That was their skill. That is what they worked at. And that is what the people judged them by, their ability to preach the unsearchable riches of God's word. But then this particular person goes on to speak of a seasonable, suitable, and spiritual matter. That tells us something about the warm, devotional, experientialism of Puritanism. These men were not cold and stoical. These Puritans were marked by true spirituality. They loved the Lord. They demonstrated the fruit of the Spirit, and their congregations could see that. The next thing that I want to point out in this quote is the fact that this person points out Flavel's plain expositions of Scripture. Now, those are the exact words that this person uses, his plain expositions of Scripture. I love this mark of John Flavel because it tells us that good preaching, solid preaching, Biblical preaching, God-glorifying preaching, involves the plain expositions of the Scripture. This is the verse-by-verse, book-by-book, sequential preaching of the Word of God. You don't have to be creative to be an expositor. You just have to be faithful. Now, the next thing that this person points out was the convincing arguments of John Flavel, his clear and powerful demonstrations. So, Flavel was able to make an argument. He was logical, he was reasonable, he was biblical, and he was able to make a compelling case from the Word of God to convince his listeners. Preaching is about far more than just standing up there and motivating a crowd. In fact, Scripture is not just about motivating a crowd. It's about teaching people. It's about teaching God's Word to God's people, convincing them with argumentation that is not only thoroughly biblical, but is also reasonable, logical, and easy to follow. The other thing that this person points out was, and I quote, his heart-searching applications. This is another reminder to us that the Puritans didn't just merely preach theology. They obviously based their sermons on theology, 
and there was much exposition concerning doctrine, but they also sought to apply God's word. If you read the Puritans, they were masters at using metaphors. They were masters at illustration. And here, this particular person, speaking about John Flavel's ministry, points out his ability to give heart-searching applications. That's a wonderful reminder today for those of us who are expositors of the Word of God that we need to apply the Word of God to God's people. They need our help to help them apply it to their lives. And the last thing that I would point out is what this person says about Flavel concerning, and I quote, his comfortable supports to those that were afflicted in conscience. This tells us that Flavel had a way of confronting sin in the pulpit, but in a tender way. He certainly would have followed Paul's admonitions to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, where Paul tells him to reprove and to rebuke and exhort, but he did this with complete patience, as Paul told Timothy. He did this in a way where the one in the pew, afflicted in conscience, was able to be comforted by the Word of God, able to be comforted by the Gospel, constantly coming back to Christ and our hope in Christ. And so conviction needs to be there. We need to reprove and we need to rebuke, but we must always comfort with the hope of the Gospel. This was the genius of the Puritans, and this was the example, obviously, that Flavel had in his own pulpit ministry. The last little thing that this person says is, and I quote, In short, that person must have a very soft head, or a very hard heart, or both, that could sit under his ministry unaffected. In other words, soft head means someone that just is not thinking. Hard heart means someone that's not truly tender in their heart concerning sin and concerning the things of the Lord. And if you have a soft head and a hard heart, you're going to be unaffected by the preaching of the Word of God, even if you're sitting under the glorious preaching of someone like John Flavel. So again, I think the ministry of John Flavel reminds us of the ministry of most of the Puritans. They were committed to the Word of God. They were committed to the exposition of the Scriptures, the plain exposition of the Scriptures. They were committed to doctrine on the one hand, but also application on the other hand. If you are a Christian, this is the type of minister that you should desire. This is the type of minister you should place yourself under if you are currently not under this type of minister. And if you are a minister of the Word of God, this is the type of minister you should aspire to be. What a wonderful example, the ministry and the life of the great Puritan, John Flavel. History is truly his story. It's the story of God and the demonstration of His glory in the theater of world events. I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Today in Church History. If you'd like to access more podcasts, you can do so by visiting my website, www.heartaflame.org, or you can search for me on Apple iTunes by searching for Today in Church History. Remember, history is spelled H-I-S hyphen S-T-O-R-Y. Until next time, I'm Andrew Smith.